0: Hey, everybody, what's up? We're back here with chapter 18 of the Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Chapter 18 of Matthew. It says here, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptation to sin! For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet be thrown into the eternal fire." And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them is gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine of the mountain and go and search for the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish." Ask, It will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I must forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported this to their master, all that had taken place. Then the master summoned him and said to him, "'You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt "'because you pleaded with me. "'And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant "'as I have had mercy on you?' And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There's so many things that we could look at in this passage today, as always. Uh, But uh, one of them that I want to focus on here is this parable of the unforgiving servant. As many of the other things that are covered uh, here in Matthew chapter 18, we can find in other places in scripture. And so hopefully we'll be able to talk about those when we get to those. But this concept of this unforgiving servant is something that i really believe hits home at us uh, as individuals who are living in uh, close-knit families and communities. And so a principle that I want us to think about as we view this little section is the thought that the people that we are around the most are the people that we sin against the most and are the people that we need grace from the most. And so when we think about this, the question Uh, Here from the disciple is an important question for us to think about. So, how often do I have to forgive, let's say, specifically my brother or my sister or my father or my mother? How often do I forgive these people? And so, Jesus responds with, it's not just what they've said is seven, which is a number that meant perfect, um, but 70 times seven, or 77s. And so if you do the math there, you can think of that as, as much as like 490, but really the point of what he's saying is it's not just the number that you can count to, but it's supposed to be that you are supposed to extend your forgiveness every time. And so the parable goes on to explain what's going on here. And so it gives us the image of an individual who is forgiven a huge, almost unmanageable debt, who then goes along and demands justice or demands what he is owed from somebody who has what is seemingly a minor debt compared to what has been forgiven from them. And so the bigger principle that we get out of this is if Jesus forgives us of all of our sins, why is it that we hold sins against other people? Because in fact, what we're saying is, while Jesus has forgiven them that sin, we're not willing to let go of that. And so it says that if you are like that, if you are holding on to these sins against other people that are relatively minor in comparison to what the Lord has already forgiven you of, you need to understand that you are not given the rest that is given to those who are believers and who are uh, acknowledging the forgiveness that they're in. But instead, you are given the judgment that you deserve as the one who has given that so, it's a, a huge contrast in terms of what's happening here. And so, rather than being free as a son, you are enslaved to the debt that you have if you refuse to forgive others. And uh, where I think, really, as I've mentioned already, this hits home is you know, our, our siblings or our parents or other people in our family, the people that we're closest to are the people that we are often sinning against the most. And so, they can do some pretty crazy things and we're called to forgive them and we're called to do that over and over and over again and so i know i was kind of an antagonistic sibling you can ask my parents that you can ask my brothers that often i would just do things to get a rise from them because i was bored and so i was consistently doing stupid things to get them to respond and to often try to either get them in trouble or just entertain myself and so but they were called to forgive me multiple times over and 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 over again even if it didn't seem like I was genuinely seeking the genuine forgiveness that I was asking for, they were called to extend that. And so uh, it's one of those barriers often for us when we think about the people, it's like, no, they've done this over and over and over again. Why do they keep on doing this? I'm not going to forgive them because it's not changing when I forgive them. When I forgive them, they continue to do it and they continue to just make my life miserable or they make my life just not pleasant. And so I don't want to forgive them. But this parable displays this important point, that when we're doing that, we're saying God is willing to forgive something that we're not willing to forgive. And if God has already extended his forgiveness for them, far be it from us to hold something against them that would create a barrier between our relationship because of a lack of forgiveness. And so we can choose to do that, but we have to understand that by doing that, we forsake the forgiveness that has been extended to us. And so just a reminder to be patient with others, to extend that forgiveness and then to uh, just seek ways in which God can help redeem that individual so that the uh, repetition of those sins or the repetition of the need for forgiveness uh, is eventually removed. And so I know in my life, it just took time for me to grow out of that phase that I was more concerned with entertaining myself than how other people felt. And so it wasn't something that changed overnight, but it took time for the people around me to allow me to mature. They had to continue to be patient with me for that to take place. And so this is just one of those sections where I think that that really in our lives, how we treat those around us displays how we understand the truth of the gospel. And so by forgiving those who are around us the most, who are the ones sinning against us the most, we're displaying to the Lord that we understand the depths of His grace, the depths of His mercy, and the depth of His forgiveness, that we understand that we are doing that as one who has the ability to hold that against them, but we're choosing to set that aside and to humbly forgive that person, knowing that we have been Forgiven much, and because we have been forgiven much, we've given an opportunity to be a messenger of the truth of the gospel, and we're given the opportunity to display that through our actions. And so, it's my prayer for us today that we can have the opportunity to put the gospel on display by consistently extending forgiveness to those around us so that others will see that we're concerned more about the glories of Christ, about extending his gospel message, than about our own rights to demand justice. So several of you guys might have some pretty uh, intense questions here about what's going on in uh, the first section, uh, especially about thinking about, hey, it's better for you that you have been basically drowned in the sea. And so what's happening there? What's happening with this millstone? What we see is a focus on the inescapable judgment and not necessarily an actual death sentence in terms of, hey, we should be tying these millstones around people and throwing them into the sea, but saying that just as that would put you in an inescapable inescapable sentence of death you are in an inescapable punishment if you are consistently causing these people to sin who are uh, seeking after the Lord, who are these true believers, those who have humbled themselves as the children of God. And so um, it's not actually a literal thing that Jesus is saying, hey, go and tie these millstones to people's actual necks and throw them over into the sea. But it's actually more of this like figurative picture of the inescapable punishment or judgment that is going to be given to these individuals who are actually causing people to sin who are seeking out the kingdom of heaven. So maybe that's a question you might have had. Hopefully you have some other questions that you can look into that uh, allow you to seek out answers, to allow you to study God's word on your own, to allow you to interact with others who are doing the same thing, to find those answers so that you can begin to build your confidence in your ability to study God's word on your own, as well as then to explain it with others. As always, we want to have a focus on taking what we're learning from God's word, sharing it with others, sharing that good news. Sharing that hope, sharing that opportunity for us to pattern our lives after God in a greater way. And so as you go today, know you were loved. You are-